We're in, starting a new sermon series here today in uh, the book of John, the gospel according to John. I'm excited with you guys to dive into one of our gospels together. It's all about Jesus, as we're talking about here. Getting to know Jesus. And as we're going to be looking through here and walking through the gospel of John, John is very gifted, talented in crafting, but also focusing focusing in 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 who he wants to show jesus is and a facet of that is that he's light to our darkness there's 21 chapters in the book of john here in the gospel of john i want you to get ready for this we're gonna be walking through the gospel of john here for about a year and a half okay so yep some of you like your eyes just got a little bit bigger now realize, like any good road trip, you know, big old road trip, you got to have stops along the way, right? You got to get some good breaks, not just potty breaks. You got to, you know, stop and see the sights, maybe get some good eats. So we're going to take some breaks along the way. So don't you worry. All right. That's why it's extending out over a year and a half. It's part of that because we're going to have some breaks uh, along the way. But we have 21 chapters here of just Jesus that we're going to be walking through together. And going deeply and richly uh, 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 into understanding and knowing him that we may become like him. Today is going to be an introduction. Okay, so we're going to get some background, backdrop into uh, the gospel of John here. Big picture, if you will. Think, think 30,000 feet flying over. Trent Palm can help us with that. A resident pilot here. As we get started here, I want to start first by just sharing a little bit about the man behind the message, John, the Apostle John. The Apostle John, he is, uh, John was a a fisherman, uh, a a laborer, if you will, by trade. Actually, not just a laborer, he was a businessman. He was actually successful, uh, a pretty, pretty wealthy kind of businessman. He, his trade, he was good at it, and his fam- it was a family business. I, I couldn't help but think about Smith Trucking when uh, uh, thinking of uh, uh, John here and the successful business that they had uh, in, in the fishing industry. And uh, one, of his, one of his partners, business partners, was uh, a man by the name of who we would come to know, Peter. All right? But, but uh, uh, James and John, he had, John had a brother, James, uh, and, and they would, they would uh, go out fishing together. And, and uh, it was one, on one of these expeditions that they were out fishing, um, and uh, it wasn't very successful. Anybody know the difference between fishing and catching? I do, a lot, I, I do fishing. I'm, I don't do a whole lot of catching. And uh, I would, I'd be a lot more interested in fishing if there was a whole, whole lot more catching going on. And uh, uh, so it was one of those days where they were doing a lot of fishing. And uh, they were using their nets, trying to, uh, trying to bring in, uh, uh, you know, good days uh, catch there to sell at the market. And it just, they were getting nothing. Just nothing. You ever had those days at work where you're just like, I got nothing. And, and, and work ain't giving me nothing. And, uh, and so uh, they had this, this, there was this guy walking down the beach and uh, he yelled out to them, and, uh, uh, and, and, and he, he told them, throw your nets out on the other side of the boat. 
Now, this guy didn't necessarily look like a fisherman, but he had kind of this vibe of like, this dude, this dude looks like a rabbi, teacher. Like, he seems like a person of authority. Uh, We've been fishing all day. You know, what is, what's, what's the problem with us throwing the nets out one more time? And all of a sudden, the nets fills and fills, and they have this massive catch of fish. And this man from the beach says to them, you've caught some fish. Come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. That was the beginning of something that John could have never imagined that would change his life radically. John was a kind of rough around the edges kind of guy. He and his brother were nicknamed Sons of Thunder. Sons of Thunder. I don't know if one was lightning and the other one was thunder. I don't know. Sons of Thunder, but they were rough around the edges. Oh, they got their nickname. Uh, they, they were a bit rash, brass. They, they, they would say things before thinking. They were a bit immature, if you will, arrogant, judgmental, double standards. You know how it is with people who are a little bit immature, arrogant. They have double standards. They'll, they have a standard for other people, uh, but then they don't kind of hold themselves accountable to the same standard. You know what I'm saying? Right? And, and so there's this time where uh, they've been following Jesus for a little while, and, and uh, there's this group of people called the Samaritans, and uh, they, weren't, they weren't having Jesus. They were just not, they were not welcoming them. They were just, they were just not going to have Jesus at all into their community. And John and James come to Jesus, and they're like, hey, Jesus, how about we call down fire from heaven on these people? Let's burn them. Jesus, no. Hold on. Pull back the reins, guys. Later, later on, and this is like after two years or more of being with Jesus and following Jesus, John and his brother had this idea. They're going to talk to their mom. Their mom was actually a relative of Mary, Jesus' mother. And uh, um, they were going to try to use that, that, re- that, that family relationship to get into the kingdom, get special privileges in the kingdom of God. And so they... Talk their mom into it, and they have their mom go ahead of them. You know how it is. They're kind of hiding. These are grown men hiding behind their mommy, all right? And they go, and they have their mom ask Jesus, all right, when you, your kingdom comes, you know, you get everything, and you're sitting on your throne, can you have my boys have the places of honor right next to you? You know, um, right and left, right at the top there. And, uh, and, and, and Jesus brings it back upon them and speaks not to mom, because he knows where this is coming from. He speaks right to, right to those, those boys, those grown men. He says, do you think you can drink the cup that I'm about to drink? Because he knew they had no clue what they wanted. They wanted power. They wanted glory. They, wanted, they were selfish. And then the other disciples got upset at them because they didn't think of doing that first. They were all a bunch of immature men. Selfish and self-centered. Sons of thunder. John and James. But this son of thunder. Would be welcomed into Jesus' inner circle. 
You'll hear, if you walk through the Gospels, you'll hear Jesus talk or or, uh, invite the disciples away, but specifically Peter, James, and John. They would be invited into special uh, experiences with God the Father. They would be invited into special times and trainings for ministry. And John would end up calling himself a disciple, the disciple whom Jesus loves. Jesus on the cross looks to John when he's dying and he says to John, this is your mother. He's speaking to Mary. And he gives John charge to take care of Mary. He entrusts his own mother in the care of John. John, after the resurrection of Jesus, would be this fierce Bold leader for the kingdom in the face of, 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 of persecution and opposition. Standing on the edge with Peter. Declaring the word. Living it out with integrity. Being bold. And he would be a principal leader of the, of the church in Jerusalem. What transforms a selfish, self-centered, arrogant immature man into such a great leader. Jesus. We're going to begin in the book of John here. I'm going to read from John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, and then John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. If you have a Bible or Bible app, you can go ahead and turn there. John 20, verses 30 and 31. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Pray with me, friends. Holy Spirit, we ask that you move among us and come upon us to hear your truth. You, Jesus, to see you, to encounter you. You are the Word, Jesus. Not an abstract concept or idea. In the flesh you came. The revelation of God. Thank you, Father. May we encounter you now. May we rest upon you now. May Lord Jesus, may we look to you today. Holy Spirit, come on me as your servant to preach your word, to teach your truth. In your name I pray. Amen. As we begin here, walking through John, big picture again, we're going to begin with exploring John's purpose, perspective, and process. Okay? We're going to begin unpacking that at the big big picture level. So we were in, in, in chapter 20, verse 31. And if you will, you want to just go back to that, that passage there on the screen. 
John 20, verse 30 and 31. John is one of the few that, that in, when, in a narrative, when I mean, speak of narrative, that's mean, that means kind of story type, history type of, of uh, a recounting. It's not instructions, okay? Uh, and, and so John, in his narrative, does something unique in that letting us know he has a very clear purpose for how he has told the story, how he has told his story of Jesus. These things are written, verse 31 of 20, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. John has a very particular view in mind. Purpose. That we know Jesus is God the Son. And there's a response. There's what we, he, he wants us to know. Jesus is God the Son and that we would believe it. And have life. His purpose shapes his perspective and his process. And you think of it like picture albums, right? We put together a picture album. Like if you got a family album, you know, back in the day at one point in time, some of you who are older may still have these, like you have them out on your coffee table or readily available. You got people who come over, they may look at them. Um, you know, senior, senior pictures, graduation. I remember my family put together a picture album of me and they have a very particular purpose and that's to embarrass me, all right? And so for that particular angle and that particular purpose, they put together that story of my life in pictures with a very purpose to try to thoroughly humiliate me and embarrass me before, of course, all my peoples and my friends and such. Maybe, maybe show me some love of source. So they slip in, of course, some of those embarrassing life story pictures, right? That you maybe wouldn't have selected yourself. Or your family photo album. You have a particular purpose in putting that together, right? It's kind of like Facebook. You have a particular image that you're putting out there. You want people to know a particular story. We do that. We shape it. Now, we might not be all honest about that or upfront about that, but we have a particular purpose in that. John is being explicit. He wants us to know his purpose is that we should know Jesus isn't just anybody else. He isn't just a good guy. He isn't just a prophet. He isn't just a miracle worker. Like the prophets of old. He is God. G-O-D. And so, when it comes down to writing this gospel, we find that when you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they follow a particular kind of tradition. And they, they have particular kinds of, of method in how they, they unfold the story of Jesus. And they all have a similar kind of style about them, if you will, in terms of focusing on the kingship, kingdom, and parables as moving the story along. But John, John lets his purpose guide him in, in, in very tightly wound and developed theological themes that he wants us to know about Jesus as God. Whereas in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, 
Jesus being God is more veiled. He's not quick to point that out. He lets it emerge from his behavior, his actions, his teaching. It's more subtle. And how Matthew, Mark, and Luke capture that. John goes right at it in capturing Jesus' nature and, and flavor and teachings that he is God. Where he begins, even uh, in John 1, 1, his origin story of Jesus. You know, in, Ma- in, in Matthew and Luke, we have his human origins, right? We have the birth story. Well, where does John go? In the beginning. He goes way back. As, and as we'll unpack, because Jesus has no beginning. How he... Delivers to us the ministry of Jesus. John's John's perspective in approaching Jesus is capturing these particular teachings and miracles and things that show that he is God. He does, as he mentions, there's so much more I could have included in here, but I'm not going to. I chose not to. And so John, you'll notice one of the things that that makes him in particular is we look at his process and what moves the story along. There's two particular things. Um, there's seven miracles that, 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 that Jesus does. We talk about turning water into wine, right? Raising Lazarus from the dead. These significant miracles move the story along. And these are things that only God can do. Interwoven within these Miracles are these I am statements. I am. The words I am should take us back to Moses. As he stands before a bush that's on fire and yet not burning. Not being consumed. And out of the bush comes the voice of the one true God, Yahweh, who says I am. When the Israelites and and the Egyptians ask, who sent you? Say, I am sent you. Jesus, John captures Jesus telling us, I am. And in these teachings, we see he unfolds particular names and characteristics of God that he is. I'm the shepherd. I am the truth. I'm the vine. These things move John along in his purpose. Something else unique here in terms of his process, you'll notice in the book of John, about half of it is given to explaining Jesus's life and ministry, specifically his ministry. John begins, he goes way back to the beginning, then fast forward to his ministry. And and so it begins when Jesus is 30 years old. And so he spends chapters 1 through 12, the first half, on three years of ministry. And then the second half, chapters 12 through 21, are on one week, seven days. Holy week. Seven days. He slows way down to focus.
And John, he's particular about us seeing that while he is God, all his glory was to be demonstrated in humility and humiliation on our behalf. John's purpose, process, perspective is that we might know Jesus is God, the Son. And that we might believe and have life. As we jump in here, as he begins his book, we're going to see this very clearly. He does not shy away from this. And it's like, it's like learn, if you're learning how to swim, John's method is, I'm going to throw you in the deep end. Here we go. John 1, 1 through 3. You can jump ahead here. John 1, 1 through 3 here. In the prologue, a prologue is just a, a literary term to talk about the beginning, kind of an introduction, if you will, here. And in this, in, this, in this beginning here, John says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Whoa. There's so much going on here and, and, and immediate just depth and riches. This is like when you get, you're at that fine restaurant and, and you, you order a nice juicy steak and they have done it right. And you take that first bite and you're like, mm, I'm going to savor this. We got to slow down. We got to slow down. In the beginning was the word. These verses here have five things for us to know about Jesus right off the bat. Jesus is eternal. In the beginning was the word. Now I'm going to get back to at the end here talking about the word. You just trust me. It's obviously talking about Jesus. But why would it say he's the word? We're going to get to that. In a moment. In the beginning was Jesus. And these verb here, this is where it's important to understand the, 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 the grammar and, and where it teaches to us. The, the verbiage here is a past continuous action. In the beginning, Jesus was continuously being existing. He was continuously existing. So in the beginning, is it the beginning of Jesus? It's the beginning of Time. Jesus pre-existed time. He existed when time did not. In the beginning, meaning that if he pre-existed before time, he's always existed. He is the causeless cause. He has no cause. He's always existed. I love it. You know, as, as, a, as, a, as a teacher and discipler, when you're working with kiddos, you always get the question, well, well where did Jesus come from? Or where, where, when did God begin? And, 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 and it's so great to see the, the, the minds trying to wrap around an eternality. 
the, 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 the infiniteness of Jesus, of God. There is no beginning. And our temptation is to try to reduce God into a box or, or, or a block of something that we can, we can concretely fit around. But, but friends, the word of God, the truth of God, God himself invites us not to define him how we can simply understand him, but to be blown away by the fact that we can't fully understand him. To be in awe. We don't like to do that, to stand in awe. It takes just too much work. We're just, we want to move on. Friends, this is an invitation to contemplation. Like when you experience the ocean and you come to the shore and you cannot see anything for miles. Miles, 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 miles. And the vastness begins to just crash over you like the waves crashing on the shore or the mountains. And you come up against them and you are just in awe of their majesty and their glory. And you can't fathom it. You don't have words. And it just weighs upon you with their majesty. In the beginning... Jesus was continually existing. He didn't have beginning. He is greater than all things. Jesus is eternal. But he goes on here, continuing in the depths here. And the word was with God. Well, those of you who who have maybe been in in the church or or reading the Bible for a long time, you know that God is one. Well, well, if God is one, how can Jesus be with God? This seems to say there's more than one God. And this is a great mystery, again, in terms of understanding who God is. God is one being, but he is three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. Jesus was, the word was, with God. This is, again, God revealing himself to us. Truth being revealed to us for us to adjust to it, to learn from him. And again, not for us to impose on him what we think we can fathom or understand. There's a lot of illustrations to try to figure out how do we make sense of God is one and yet three persons and no illustrations fit. I invite you to watch this humorous video on YouTube by a group called Lutheran Satire on bad Trinity analogies. You're welcome. And you will walk away with an Irish accent. Lutheran Satire, bad Trinity analogies. God is one yet three. Now what John isn't hung up with, that we get hung up on, how is this to be? He blows right past this. What he wants us to know. He's with God. God is one and yet three, this John would reveal through his scriptures here. But there's, there's a subtlety here that we cannot miss. The word is with God has a, has a directional Nature to it. It means towards. The word was towards God. Jesus is identity. His, his purpose. His existence was to be in relationship with God the Father. In loving relationship with God the Father. It was God the Father and God the Son's plan to come and, and, and redeem us. It was his plan to be sacrificed. To go through hell and suffer for you and I at the hand of the Father. To take his wrath on us. It was their plan together. And as much as he loved us, get this, he didn't do it for us. He did it for the Father. 
Because Jesus is for the Father. He is toward. He's about the glory of the Father. And we see this unpacked in, in, in throughout the Gospel of John. God is a, exists in loving relationship. Which he is inviting us into to share. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is one of three persons who make up the one true God. Jesus, therefore, is divine. He was with God. And you can see John moving through succession of logic in order for us to come to these conclusions. Jesus is God. And the word was existing, continuously existing as God. Later in John 14, Philip would ask Jesus, as he says, I'm going to the Father. And he says, Lord, show us the Father, and it'll be enough for us. You know, they'd been with him three years already. And Jesus says to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Because they're one. The question isn't whether we understand it. It's whether we're going to receive it. God will allow us to make sense of himself more over time as we know him. Will you receive his revealing of himself? He was God. Jesus is divine. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And nothing that was made was, was not made without him. Jesus, if he is God, created all things. There at the beginning, there's nothing that exists that he has not had his fingerprints on and made, including you. He is your creator. Jesus is your maker. What, what, what this means here, this is a little bit of a side note, is that you cannot believe that Jesus is God, creator of all things, and believe that things spontaneously came into existence. You cannot call Jesus God, and Jesus above all things, and, and through whom all things find their source, and say that we evolve. He fabricated and created everything. Now, if this is an intellectual issue that you struggle with in, in, in terms of, of how things came into existence in the age of the earth and those kinds of things, come and talk with me. Let's walk through this. Don't let this intellectual issue uh, 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 be a hang-up with you. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus and trust Jesus. Let's walk through that. I love what A.W. Tozer says. As if we understand truly that Jesus is God and he is our creator. He says this. God Almighty, before the beginning of the world, thought about you and planned your redemption. In those pre-creation times, God was thinking loving thoughts about you. And when you grieved him by your sins, he still did not turn you over to hell. But a lamb slain from the foundation of the world came to save you and redeem you. Jesus, God, preexistent, eternal, 
creator came, created you, loved you, pursued you. And we get back to the word. Why, why does John refer to Jesus as the word here? It's, it's completely unique to him and his voice. In the beginning was the word. In order to establish the credibility of who Jesus is, Jesus, John, John is establishing the divinity of God, the divinity of Jesus, and Jesus is being the word, the expression of God. Words have a couple things that are important for us to take into account. Words have content. Words have content. When you speak and use words, you have a message that you're communicating. Words have content. But more than that, or in addition to that, words have force. We don't say things without having an intention and a desired impact. There's action. Jesus is the word. How did God bring everything into creation? He spoke. And everything came to existence. Jesus is the action of God by which creation came into existence. He's the word, the spoken word of God. What Jesus is, the word, is the wisdom of God. The revelation of God. The God, God exposed to us. He is the content of God. There's the message of who God is. He is the action, the visible, tangible action of God before us. I don't know if this is going to go over or not. I, we give our children these blocks to play with and learning letters and alphabet and even putting together words, right? And as you can see on the screen here, those of you who are online and in the family room, these are blocks, and each of these letters create the word, word. Jesus' coming was to bring into existence and make tangible and concrete. I can touch these things. This, this word is concrete. I can feel it, touch it. It's tangible. And Jesus coming to us was to make the truth of who God is tangible. More than just an idea in the back of our head. More than some lingering thought. It's reality. Jesus is the revolution of the truth of God. There is a source of truth, friends. And it's Jesus. It's not our experience. It's, it's, it can't be found in other sources a religion. It can't be found within the collective consciousness of hu humanity. It, it can't be found from us. It's revealed to us by our creator. Jesus is the truth of God. He reveals to us the truth of who we are. He reveals to us the truth of existence and life. He is the action of God towards us. And the will of God in this world. And so we have the simple but beautiful words, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. The truth of God. John Piper says this, 
Jesus, John calls Jesus the word because he had come to see these words of Jesus as the truth of God. What God had to say to us was not only or mainly what Jesus said, but who Jesus was and what he did. His words clarified himself and his work, but his self and his work were the main truth God was revealing. Jesus is the truth. Who are you? How do you make sense of this world, friends? It's not going to be by, by, by social media. It's not going to be about your news sources. It's not going to be about uh, academic sources. It's not going to be from school. The only person who can tell you who you are and why you exist and what life is about is Jesus. Your family can't tell you that ultimately. Your friendships can't tell you that. Only Jesus. There's a lot of messages going around, but only Jesus can tell you the truth. And John encountered the truth, the word of God personally, and it changed him. John called himself, as I mentioned earlier, the disciple whom Jesus loved. For the longest time, I actually thought that was quite an arrogant statement. I was like, it's pretty special. I mean, it's pretty haughty of you to, to say, above all the disciples, he loved you more. Or like, he loved you and he didn't love the others. Like, but as studying And coming to understand God's word, he was making a statement of his transformed life. This was a statement of actually humility. It was a statement not of something exclusive he was saying about himself versus others. But this comes from a position of John recognizing that he was that arrogant, jerk, judgmental, impetuous, immature man, man boy, who Jesus loved. And didn't give up on. He loved him. And he knew the love of God. And his brokenness. D.A. Carson says this. is powerful. Those who are most profoundly aware of their own sin and need. And in who in consequence most deeply feel the wonders of the grace of God. That has reached out and saved them. Even then are those who are most likely to talk about themselves as the object of. Of God's love in Christ Jesus. If a son of thunder has become the apostle of love. Small wonder he thinks of himself as the peculiar object of the love of Jesus. But that is scarcely the mark of arrogance. It's rather the mark of brokenness. The word. John experienced truth being spoken to him. In the presence of God. Loving him in his Filth and his brokenness and his sin. He was loved. And the invitation, friends, is for us to encounter the word. For us to be disciples whom he loves. Come. Come. See, he's the son of God. See and believe and have life, friends. Now. Pray with me. I'm going to have the worship team come on forward. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for showing us yourself. May we be like John and realize how broken we are in light of your love. How unworthy we are in light of your goodness that you would come to us.
and your holiness. Jesus, that we would stop looking at others and judging others and comparing ourselves to others and looking to the messages of others even, Lord, but look to you to define us. Let us be broken and let us be loved. Let us let you be the word and believe it that we might have life. We don't have to walk in darkness anymore. We don't have to believe lies anymore. I pray for my friends who are stuck there in these moments. Spirit, meet them and liberate them with your word. Now, your truth about them, right where they are. In your name.